talking about things we love to hate and hate to love, and we're your hosts, Shelby and Matt. Every week is something surprising. I just can't quite place. Sorry, I was <laughs> inverted there for a second. Uh, I had to get my inverted walkie-talkie because yes, yes. my voice was going backwards or something. Yes, yes, that's a good point. You know what Rob and I were thinking is for our first uh, Patreon Patreon blah, episode, we should just do it in reverse and then people have to figure out how to hear it. <laughs> <laughs> And my and of course me being an idiot was like oh yeah they'll have to like put it up to a mirror or something you know <laughs> like you have to like you know when you have to read backwards and like put it up to the mirror oh my gosh yeah Matt that's a good <laughs> idea that might this just work <laughs> uh, this shows you the intelligence level that we're <laughs> we're working with yeah, as we dissect this wait to see what this. you thought of this movie <laughs> did you solve it. <laughs> uh, hope you brought a mirror to the theater, Matt. It's the same backwards and forwards. Yeah. Um, another just completely uh, brain fart moment that I had to read the week was I was trying to look up Robert Pattinson mm-hmm. on IMDb, mm-hmm. and I kept typing in Edward Pattinson. <laughs> he plays Edward in Twilight, and I couldn't figure out why he wasn't listed. And I was like, "Am I spelling it weird? Is yes. Pattinson different?" <laughs> And then finally, I was like, I'm just going to go look him up on Twilight. Maybe they deleted his account or something. <laughs> and then it was like, oh, it's it's Robert. He just yeah. plays a character named oh. Edward. So that's it's rough go. Yeah. I mean, have <sighs> you seen any other R-Pats movie? Any single- Aside I mean, from Twilight? Yeah, I guess there's Harry Potter, too. But Yes, I've else? seen Harry Potter. I saw the one where he is on that, like, spaceship. Um like the prison spaceship. Let me see. What oh, was that called? Oh, High Life. You watched High Life. that weird. Yes. <laughs> sex movie. <laughs> yes. Sex on sex on a space on a prison spaceship, oh, yeah. which was <laughs> fine. Oh, I also saw the lighthouse last year, which oh, he was very yeah, good at. You. You're like our Pat Stan, basically. I know. And I'm looking at the rest of these. I think you saw the Lost City of Z, didn't you? That's oh, that I feels did. like a your that movie. Was such a drag. Yes. I forgot he was even in that. Like, is he? Oh, you know what I did also see with him in it is the uh, 9-11 spoiler romance, <laughs> Remember Me, from you 2010. You 9-11 and then say spoiler. You have to you have to redact that. You just spoiled the movie. It's, it's the only thing everybody, the everybody knows now. If anyone knows anything about Remember Me, it's that the movie that like the twist <laughs> is it's 9-11 and it springs it on you in the last minute. Yeah pretty iconic i remember seeing well because i went and saw that in theater because i was like robert pattinson and um, uh, whatever the girl from lost was in it claire it's like the two of them and a love story and i thought oh both of these people are great let me go see this movie both of these people are great what was that based on (laughs) that i loved uh that i liked harry potter (laughs) that i liked twilight that i liked lost that's what it was based on yeah And it felt and it felt like this was also that came out in 2010, uh, according to IMTB. I did not know that off the top of my head. Uh, But 
that was also the period where I was just getting into sort of like artsy prestigious Uh, like film. And I was like, Oh, this is a dramatic movie. Like this will probably get nominated for a bunch of Oscars. Let me go see this. Mm. And then my mind at the end, because at the end it's sort of this romance (laughs) and I can't remember if there's flash words, but then the sort of like the last shot is that is Robert Pattinson is like looking out his dad's office window or something. And then it like zooms out and you see that it's, it's the twin towers and then cut to some teacher or something like writing nine eleven on the board, like the date of the day. And you're like, Oh shoot, he's going to die. And I just remember sitting there in the theater at the end and being like, wow, what a piece of artwork. Like that was such <laughs> a cool twist. Yeah. Yes. It really worked for 17 year old. Me was very impressed by remember <laughs> me. I have not seen it since, but I know there's also several scenes where he's smoking on that Alice in Wonderland statue in Central Park. And so literally every time I see that statue, I think of that movie. <laughs> That's the enduring legacy for me. What a journey. So now you get to add Tenant to your R. Pat Stan uh, must watch. Did you see Water for Elephants? That feels like a movie you could have seen. I did not see that. No. That came out, yeah, I'm not, like, into weird romances like that. I don't really watch a lot of, like, just straight-up romances, you know? I I also heard it wasn't that good. I also heard it wasn't that good, but I feel like it came out at a time where maybe you could have been more into romance, you <laughs> yeah. know? Like, yeah. if you're freshman in college, I could have seen... No, I missed I, don't I missed know. a lot of his movies. I... I've sort of been on the fringe of these conversations where people are like, Robert Pattinson isn't good. He's just from that kid from Twilight. And I've always been like, well, now he's done more. I just haven't bothered to watch it. So I really can't say much about whether he's good or not. But I hear he's fine. Well, both Robert Pattinson and Kristen Stewart got a ton of money from the Twilight films. And then we're like, we don't want to do any more like big budget things. We only want to do indie stuff. And then went on to make some of the weirdest movies imaginable. (laughs) And I think both of them had some hits and misses along the way. But I also think that both of them are very talented sort of in their own situation. I watched the clouds of Sils Maria, which is a Juliette Binoche and Kristen Stewart movie during quarantine. And it is one of the favorite things that I have watched. So look at that. It's, it's also a, a very uh, sort of like weird uh, artsy movie, but yeah. I, I really liked it. So <laughs> yes, I think that, yeah. I think that Robert Pattinson is talented. I think he is the best person in Tenet. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was especially funny because Tenet's directed by Christopher Nolan. We didn't, mm-hmm. which you yeah. probably know, but anyways, Christopher <laughs> Nolan, I, I, I think it's funny. I saw this online somewhere that like a lot of directors will sort of like cast people who are better looking versions of themselves in the movie. <laughs> so if you watch like directors movies, you're like, oh, the, their leading men sort of look like them, but hotter. Okay. And Robert Pattinson has Christopher Nolan's haircut and is wearing like only Christopher Nolan clothes in this entire <laughs> film. Like the suits, the scarves, the like floppy blonde hair. I was like, this is Christopher Nolan if Christopher Nolan was a super hot person. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So speaking of random cast details, John David Washington is the star of this in the uh he doesn't have a name, but he's called the protagonist. Uh and did you know he's Denzel Washington's son? Yes. I learned this like two months ago and it blew my mind. I was like, oh my gosh, this is 
I just can't every time I see him now I'm just trying to like see the resemblance and like hear the resemblance and like feel the resemblance you know it's just mesmerizing to me I went through that same like pattern but (laughs) right after Black Klansman came out like two years ago I know I don't know how I missed that and like I don't know how I never heard that or like connect that dot like i don't think it was a secret i just never no but it was it. <laughs> i don't think it was ever sup- it was ever billed it's like denzel yeah. washington's son does something or another right. and also washington is like a common enough name right. that and i mean i don't know do they i feel like they don't look or sound like that much alike that you'd be like oh yes i can see this immediately yeah except for when you're looking for it and then you're like oh my gosh it's like a Denzel Washington expression. <laughs> I love Denzel Washington. I think I he's amazing. He's very, he's a very charming, suave guy. And what's interesting about John David is like, it's just like a, is there's just a difference. I don't know. It's just so, it's just, yeah, it's mesmerizing to just know that piece of information and just like really study his face to see if you can connect those dots because there is something that feels familiar but then you're like i don't know denzel's just like his own man you know (laughs) who looks better in polo shirts john david in tenant or denzel in remember the titans (laughs) okay i mean john david washington looked pretty good in this movie i'll say this about the movie is the style was great you know john david washington he he was given more access to wealth as he continued through the film and his clothes just got cooler and cooler and he was wearing like polos under blazers and it was really working for me. And then you have R. Pats who was like, he was killing it. I, I was not a stand going in, but after I was like, wow, he looks great. His jaw could like cut glass and he really works the suit well. Elizabeth Debicki looked really good. She's like yeah, seven she's foot nine and she was using yeah. every inch of that. It was so mesmerizing. Like she wears like long pen- like pencil skirts. She's like, you know, mm-hmm. she's very wealthy and whatever. And she's like walking to school and she's surrounded by little midget children. Yes. <laughs> and you're like, that pencil skirt is like a full dress on me. You know, like she is so distractingly tall and it's just mesmerizing to watch. Well, and the crazy thing is, is that she's going to be playing Princess Diana in season yes. five and six of The Crown. And it's like Princess Diana was, I mean, I'm sure she was fine, but like she's not that tall. So it's going to be interesting, fig- like watching them have to try to like, a lot of, yeah, frame you know, like, could you get down on your knees? Could you like sit on this couch? We're going to put everybody else on a box, you know, yeah. just to make it so she's not towering over the rest of the cast. It'll be like how they had to film like. Um, Ronald Weasley, like six feet behind Harry Potter at all times. Yes, and Tom Cruise in every movie that he's <laughs> yeah. in with a woman because yeah. she's always taller than him. Yeah, um, and then while we're on the cast, I just had to say, like, is Michael Caine all right? Like, is he <laughs> healthy? Is he okay? He had like a bit role in this, and I he just seemed suddenly so old to me. He was just chowing on some French fries for the whole scene. I was, I, I was know. like, I don't know if this was a character choice or yeah. if somebody told you to do this, but I, I love disgu- Michael Caine eating fries <laughs> the entire time. Yeah, he he was there. Has he? He's been in almost every single Christopher Nolan movie. So I, I don't know if they like signed some sort of deal with the devil or they're just good friends. But he was there. He made a appearance and. Love Michael even made Kane. it into the trailer, so. Oh, of course. You got to. I think he was even billed higher than some of these other cast members, so 
it's a good good time to be probably i mean i guess i guess christopher nolan movies in a lot of ways are like that where they're sort of starring you know smaller like fringier people because i'm trying to think of like uh, like Dunkirk didn't really have that many big name stars in it. Like when songs. Inception came out, uh, like Tom Hardy really wasn't a thing at that point. Mm-hmm. Although I guess like Joseph Gordon-Levitt was sort of, I don't know. Anyways, so we're talking about Tenet, which <laughs> is the new Christopher Nolan movie yeah, that was supposed Tenet? to come out in July. It got pushed back a couple of times. It is mm-hmm. the big opener that the movie uh, theaters have been waiting on. No disrespect to the New Mutants, which, you know, also had a big thing. But Tenet came out supposedly this weekend. It actually came out last Monday. So in like preview screenings or whatever. So it's been out for a while. I went and saw it in theaters, I think, like Thursday night or something like that. And there was a couple people in the theater, but not a ton. When did you go see it? Yeah, we went on a Wednesday night. Um we bought tickets when the theater was empty and then it ended up having like 10 people in it. So some late arrivals who missed about the first five minutes of the movie, which I frankly thought were maybe some of the best minutes of the movie. But um, yeah, no, there were some people. I think, I mean, it's done about as well as predicted for COVID times. It had a 20 million domestic and then with the China audience, it's made over 146 million worldwide. So um, I think it's uh, considered like a good a good amount of money for COVID days. I think that's pretty good, especially when you think that there's like California, New York, I don't think have even opened theaters yet. There's nothing else big that's going to come into theaters until yeah. Wonder Woman in October. So basically this is just has the whole month to rack up money. Mm-hmm. And this feels like the move a movie that you would make maybe go see multiple times just because it's such like a puzzle of a movie uh you know i already know people who have seen it a couple of times so but before we like dive into the movie what are your thoughts sort of on christopher nolan in general because he (laughs) did you know memento the dark knight movies inception interstellar the prestige dunkirk he is definitely a director that I think people like even people who don't know film directors sort of know who Christopher Nolan is or the type of movie that he does. And he has some very big fans like online. I feel like they, I don't know if they overlap with like the Marvel star. Well, they definitely overlap with the Marvel star Wars group, but sometimes his fans have like that similar energy to me (laughs) online. I don't know. I mean, yeah, I think he's a very well-respected director. I, he's only really done like, so Memento came out. His first movie came out in 1999. So yeah. Yeah. And then he's really managed to do only hits basically. Like Mm -hmm. his lowest rated film had like, 72% 72% on Rotten Tomatoes or like a 69% um, or a 66% like Metacritic score overall. So he's one of those guys who I think he's just proven, has a proven track record where he's respected because he manages to pull off these really interesting movies that all tend to be original concepts because he's a screenwriter on almost every single one of his films. Mm-hmm. And so... I think that's yeah I've always respected him as a filmmaker like I haven't seen everything he's done like it's not like I feel the need to go back and watch things I hadn't seen but I've seen the big ones like the prestige interstellar 
all the Batmans, Inception, Dunkirk. So I feel like I hit the top (laughs) seven of his 15 movies or whatever. And I mean, yeah, I've always like enjoyed his movies. I think his best for me is Dark Knight. And I think his worst is Dark Knight Rises. So... (laughs) That interesting, yeah. yeah. So, but but were you really excited then to see Tenant? Like, were you like, oh yes, this I'm looking forward to, or that's were you more of indifferent? I don't know. I mean, that's just weird. Is it's like, I think it just like like I said, it's a respect. It's not a love. So it wasn't like, oh man, mark my calendars. I've got to see this. But it is something that you're like, you can trust that you're going to see something cool, and that there will have been a lot of. thought put into it you'd hope and so I was excited about the idea of a new Nolan movie except that a lot of his recent stuff I haven't liked as much like I know you're a big interstellar fan but that one felt like messier to me and I what like Dunkirk was beautiful but it wasn't my favorite film he's done so it was more like okay like yeah let's see what he's up to (laughs) I mean, I love, 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 love Inception. That I think yeah, that is Inception such a good movie. Good. I think I think it's his best. I think that there's nothing else that's even close. And <laughs> so I was kind of excited for this because it felt like something that would yes. be uh, Inception-esque. Yeah. Uh, yeah, like I thought Dunkirk was also really great and really well done, but it's a much like simpler story. Right. And you know, I'm a sucker for outer space movies, so obviously I'm gonna <laughs> love Interstellar. Murph. The Dark Knight for me, yeah, Murph. Murph. The Dark Knight for me, <laughs> yeah. Let's hear it. Let's hear your dumb take. So, I mean, I think we've already talked about this on the podcast before. I think that the Joker sections of the Dark Knight are that some of the best. Ninety percent of the movie. The movie, but. Everything else, I think, is not only bland, but, like, actively bad. I hate all of the Two-Face stuff. I hate the Maggie Gyllenhaal stuff. I think that that the Batman parts are sort of like, what? And the ending of that movie isn't, like, working that well. Oh, man. Um, You want to talk about endings that don't work? How can you rank Dark Knight Rises anywhere above Dark Knight? Like, Dark Knight Rises, from a storyboard perspective, just doesn't make sense. Shelby. It's a movie where at the end, the person gets to live out his life with Anne Hathaway. How could that not be a perfect film? I I get it. You're right. I missed that crucial detail. Yeah, you're right. That all makes sense. Like it Also, the part matter. where she's a maid, but then she's not a maid. She's actually like a cat burglar I, yeah, and she does a backflip out the I window. See. My you're, gosh. You're, you're misremembering the film based on the 15 minutes of Anne Hathaway in a cat suit. I forgot. Isn't she the lead in that film? Is was, she the was she lead? Not? I think she is. (laughs) The Dark Knight is her in that movie. The lead? She's she's in a dark suit jumping out of a window. (laughs) She's on a motorcycle. Oh my word. No, I could break down exactly why The Dark Knight Rises is just one, a very poorly constructed story that you know was haphazardly put together because unfortunately Christopher Nolan had wanted had planned for the Joker to be a part of the rest of the franchise. And then of course, um, unfortunately that couldn't work out. And so it just did, it completely disregarded the entire messaging of the original two, which was that people are better than you give them credit for. And instead featured this weird, <laughs> it was weird a decision. tale of two cities plot. Line. Oh, I hated it I loved so it. much. And then Batman breaks his back and heals it magically enough in like a single week or month to climb out of a hole using basically only back muscles. Like it just, 
it was lazy and and unthoughtful and i did not like it <laughs> i liked bane i thought he was good Bane wasn't even like an interesting character he was a straw man he was just a fake a fake villain and it and you could which is a callback to batman begins sort of <sighs> no not really i mean anyways it's fine the point is that christopher nolan makes a lot of good movies that people can argue over which the greatest is so going into tenant expectations were high obviously we had been expecting this much earlier so the the hype has been building i think the first teaser trailer was released in like august of 2019 and i think people managed to get into screeners right before covid but then they were embargoed so no one really knew if this was going to be good if this was going to be bad until like last week or a couple weeks ago when they finally were able to release their reviews and it turns out people were not that into it so did that influence like how you went into the movie or your expectations or any of that well well yeah because it came out in europe or and asia or it came out uh, other countries first so like i had heard yeah the rumblings that it maybe wasn't great um i don't know i feel like that i I knew that it was going to be some kind of complicated like time travel thing from the trailers. Mm -hmm. And I thought that like with Interstellar, I think that some people didn't like it because it was like too confusing. And there was just like too. I think Christopher Nolan is someone who likes like these puzzle box type things. So as he's gotten more control over his movies, they've almost become less like stories and more like long, complicated riddles that you have to puzzle through. Mm -hmm. And so if you're not into that, you're going to (laughs) immediately be out on the story. I think you really have to like watching a movie for that element, which is definitely like when I went and saw this, I went and saw it with my uncle and both of us at the end of the movie were like, that, that was like the most complicated thing i've ever seen i don't know if i understand it and we are both people who sort of like that kind of thing more so (laughs) i think that like if i went with Mm. my family or you know like random cousins they would or my grandma like they would have no idea what was going on (laughs) and i think that was also exacerbated by i don't know if this was the case in your theater but the sound was so Oh, that's it a felt like for his off to me. Often. Yes, where the 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 sound was so loud that you couldn't hear the voices some of the time. Mm-hmm. A lot of the people had masks on at various points, so you couldn't read their lips. And then you also had people talking in walkie-talkies. The score is going on. People are talking backwards, and then it's being inverted to forwards. It was just very hard to like follow even what people were saying. And then in an already complicated movie, I was just like, wait, what is happening? I left the theater being like, I think I hate this movie. I think it's so bad. And then once I got, went home and read all of the like <laughs> step-by-step analysis of Tenet, I sort of, mm. I feel like I've been kind of Stockholm syndromed into like, <laughs> maybe this movie is really good. Like maybe I need to see oh, it again. Man. Maybe it's actually one of his best movies. No, so not. I haven't really decided how I feel about it, but it was kind of a weird, it was a very unique theater going experience (laughs) watching this was the sound often yours too because i wasn't sure if it was something where like the sound mix was just bad or it was one or it was like that episode of game of thrones where they were like (laughs) 
that was too dark and you couldn't see anything and then the people came out and were like no it's actually great you you just don't have a good enough tv to watch it like if <laughs> no, seeing it in this he's... random theater i couldn't understand no, something no, but like it's... if i had gone to a 4k screening no. room whatever it's that i would have gotten him it's it's famously him he's gotten complaints about his sound mixing throughout his career and in fact i think it was like last year his like sound editor was saying was describing his approach and how he's always like in Christopher Nolan appreciates like a visceral feeling more than like details, like, uh, like script, you know? And so he wants you to feel the chaos or the tension and not worry about understanding (laughs) the uh, conversation, which I find to be one piece of the puzzle that kind of frustrates me with Christopher Nolan and especially as he's gotten these bigger budget films and kind of been able to do these, like you said, puzzly movies. It's just like, I, I get frustrated by this idea that complicated somehow proves it's important. Like you see that a lot in classic literature or our idea of the, you know, fiction canon and how it's like, we, we put up with these stories that are sometimes very convoluted, very heady and hard to read or engage with. And it's like, oh, but it's so important. Like, oh, it's just like, oh, it's just you don't get it. And that that speaks to its value. And I think that's a very frustrating thing because I just don't agree. I think it takes a lot more skill to take a complex idea and make it intelligible. You know, it's like, that itself is a talent. And I don't think it's one that Christopher Nolan has really figured out because he thinks he can just lean on well if they don't get it then they're not trying hard enough and I just I just find issue with that and I think that was part of my walking away from this movie and being like sure it's an original idea great and it has some really cool pieces in it and I think it could have been a lot more powerful if he had done a small scale version of it instead of instantly making this movie not only about this complicated sort of sciencey fiction thing but also adding this element of into the world, like <laughs> we have to save the planet now from this James Bond-like villain that you also don't totally understand. And and so there's just too much going on. And I think why something like Inception works is that you're just contained within one guy's dream. And so you can kind of figure out the machinations of that world. And you can you can appreciate it and it's small scale and it's just a heist movie when you get down to the bare bones. But this movie was all over the place. And I think that was what was so frustrating about it is not that it's like, oh, I didn't understand how this worked or what entropy is. Like, yeah, I probably could learn something from watching it again, but there was too much going on to make it feel worth it, you know? Oh, yeah. I I had that immediate thought as well, especially about Inception. Like, Inception, I think, is such a great movie because it is the perfect mix of like Nolan puzzliness but also there's a lot of character development it's simple enough that you can watch it one time and understand what has happened in it like yeah if you go back and watch it multiple times you can like get other things but it's not one of those movies where someone says oh well you really need to watch it at least twice in order to understand (laughs) it where I think Tenet is one of those and like if it's a great movie you should be able to get it on the first go around so yeah I had that same issue and also i think with the script of this mm-hmm. that christopher nolan was very impressed with himself uh, <laughs> at getting all of the 
all of this puzzle sort of like correct and worked out. And I think that if, at least in the articles that I've read and sort of like people going through it bit, beat by beat, it does sort of all work. And there are some cool things hidden in there if you go back and sort of like unpack stuff. But in order to get all of that, all of the characters in the movie have to talk fast, talk in exposition, <laughs> and then immediately understand what everybody else is saying. There's no one in the movie who at any point is like, wait, what? I'm confused. Everyone is just like, yep, got it, and moving on to the next thing. So yeah. you as the audience, if you if you can't understand something, if you if your mind wanders for one second, you're just gone. You're so lost. Like there's this term, the algorithm that's thrown around. And it's for whatever reason, I did not get what that was in the movie. And so through the whole back half, I was like, what, like, what are they talking about? What is this? I can't like, I can't, I, I did, I don't know. And they never like bothered to go back and re-explain it. And then also, like I said, with the sound, I mean, there's a whole part, there's a huge battle sequence in the back half of the movie where then Kenneth Branagh in a stiff Russian accent over a walkie-talkie during a battle sequence is giving like this monologue. And I was like, I cannot pay attention to both the monologue and what is going on on the screen. So Mm -hmm. I basically didn't hear anything that was going on (laughs) in that monologue. And I thought, well, if that was important, I'm not going to get it just because there's too much happening here. And I like I think this movie is already long and sort of inscrutable. I feel like so I would not want to make the movie longer but I think if they had somehow, like, if they had added an extra fifteen minutes on, and it was just like, <laughs> no, 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 a, no, no, and it no, was no. just some character who was like, "Wait, what? Can you explain that again? <laughs> like, what do, was like, going the on there?" Short. Right? Yes, exactly. Robbie if it was Margot them. Robbie just popping up, I would have maybe like <laughs> liked it more that. on the first go. Yeah. yeah. See, that's interesting because I agree it needed more, but I think what would have helped explain the world itself would have been if he just made it more small scale because yeah, you end up in this weird battle sequence that kind of comes out of nowhere. And I honestly have no idea why it was happening. Like it seems like such a big set piece that could have been completely removed and it could have been something much smaller, much more intimate and much less like high stakes because I loved like the first, yeah, the first sequence of this movie, which is not necessarily about the uh, tenant entropy, whatever, but it's sort of this introduction to the protagonist and how he's this high, he's, he's like this elite spy espionage dude who's trying to rescue some guy. And so it's this instant, you're instantly put into this world. It's very interesting, very like cool visuals, a lot's going on. And then, yeah, you have him kind of learning about this thing and I'm like, okay, okay, okay. And the first big like, set piece thing is they have to steal they're trying to steal this painting or find out what's hidden in this free port and so they have to create this elaborate like scheme to get into the free port by crashing an airplane into it and I I like really enjoyed that I thought it was so interesting and fun and very much like a Christopher Nolan style visual that you come to expect and it was it was great to watch. And then I looked at a glance at my phone and I realized we were only like 45 minutes into a two and a half hour movie. And I was like, oh my gosh, what is coming? And then it just got more complicated. And you have this, you just have too much happening, but none of it feels necessarily like personal to you because it's all just like 
yeah, it's all just exposition. You're all just being talked out. All these different characters have different motivations that aren't fully explained or realized. And you're just like, I don't know what I'm rooting for, what I'm hearing, what I'm like waiting for. Like it was just, it became too much. So I really liked the first part way more than I ended up liking the second. The movie is basically like a string of heists leading into (laughs) this into this time travel element. So there's about four set pieces before you even get to the first like time travel set piece, the the car chase where you go backwards and forwards through time. And so it's just like, there's a lot, I feel like that they could have somehow gotten into that maybe easier. Mm -hmm. And then they would have had less, like less stuff before the time travel. So they Mm -hmm. could have explained it more. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. I think the plot could use simplifying. And I read some review that was saying that it's kind of a, like a puzzle box, but when you get to the middle of the box, there's, there's ends up that there's nothing there. (laughs) And I think that part of that is just that there's, there's so Christopher Nolan is so intent on all of this puzzling that the characters then don't really have much like personality or stakes in anything. Mm -hmm. I think Elizabeth, the Bicky's character is the only one who really has any like real motivation for things. But if you think about going back again to inception, the Leonardo DiCaprio, Marianne Cotillard plot, it's like, yes, there's all of this dream stuff and heist things. But then when you get to the end of the movie, you realize that it is a very personal story Mm. about Leonardo DiCaprio and his marriage and like how he's struggling with, you know, the loss of his wife. And you never get to a point that's anything like that in this movie. Like, John David Washington has no real, like, emotional anything. Uh, neither does Robert Pattinson. Elizabeth Debicki sort of has, like, a, something that could maybe pass. It's like, she has a kid. <laughs> yeah. Okay, that's an emotional yeah, plot line. let's talk about this Elizabeth Debicki's plot line. Because Christopher Nolan has gotten a couple complaints about his movies. And one is that he doesn't really have people of color star in them. So enter John David Washington, who does a good job here. And, and it's um, also... uh, the guy from yesterday, Himesh yeah, Patel, is yeah, also in this. So. And there's yeah. a, a woman, too. But then you get oh, yeah. him featuring a woman in his movie. And that's the thing that really frustrated me with this, is that I like Elizabeth Debicki. I think she's very talented. I was excited that she was in this. But instantly, it's just like... Her sole motivation is she's a mother and she has a kid that she's worried about, which is like, fine. Yes, you can work with that. It's great. But it does say something that this is the only way Christopher Nolan can think about women is that you have Marianne in in, in Inception who's obsessed with like being with her family and, and loses her mind a little bit. And she's obsessed with this, her children and her, rescuing her husband from her own brain or whatever. And then you have this character who has no depth to her whatsoever. And it, every single line just goes back to how she has to save her son. And I just... I understand. I get that. But it just felt so empty here because there was nothing else to her. There is no other individuality to her. And I think it's also something you see, like, I think it happened with Black Widow in the Marvel Universe. People were like, she needs more depth. Like, why isn't she a character? She's been in all these movies. Like, you have to give her something. And so their solution was this big reveal where the reason she feels so broken is that she's barren. And it was just like, is that all <laughs> like women are to these macho men in these big movies? The only thing they can think is that, oh, let's make them like sad moms. 
And it was really noticeable here because her character was in these insane situations, just these total wild, like brain stopping moments. And there was a moment where they're explaining the stakes of the scenario. And he's like, if we don't do this, everyone in the world will die. And her line literally is, that means my son would die. Yes. (laughs) It's like, no freaking duh. Like, yes, this is like bigger than your single son, which should have been the point taken from that. But instead, it just goes back to this insular like, oh, let's characterize Elizabeth Debicki's character for now. And she mentions her son again for the 27th time this minute. And I just really was frustrated that that's all it came to. And then she couldn't even like protect him and go with the mission she ends up sort of going rogue and deciding to (laughs) i mean spoiler alert i guess she makes a decision that could have risked everything and it felt just sort of impetuous and kind of immature and childish and i was just like i was so frustrated with her and i really was disappointed that he couldn't give her more to do or like believe in you know yeah, I mean, I think in comparison to some of his other female characters, no. she's slightly better. Like <laughs> Maggie Gyllenhaal in Dark Knight. Yikes. Uh, but yeah, no. And I think part of the reason why her plotline also feels so hollow is just because like the whole movie has no personal stakes at all. Yeah. And then the one person who does is her. And it's also so hollow and feels sort of like tacked on kind of in a way. It doesn't yeah. really feel integral. Um, yeah, so I, I, I felt, I found that plot line a little wanting as well. Like there's supposed to be this like chemistry that I I didn't need it to be like romantic, but there's supposed to be some reason John David Washington's characters become so obsessed with protecting Elizabeth Debicki. And I didn't really feel that. Like it kind of just like, I was surprised he cared so much so soon because it Mm -hmm. didn't really feel based on anything except that the plot needed it to, to move forward both their motivations. And so there was a lot extra that was happening that I just felt distracted by. Like the, the painting ended up not mattering. And then there's this whole sequence where they're on a sailing boat and, and she, she tries to kill the guy and it was just like it was like 15 minutes that didn't end up mattering and it all just it was all sort of just meant to kind of get them to a point where um Kenneth Brownig's character knows about John David Wallace and wants to kill him out of jealousy or I don't know it was all so convoluted to me as I was going through the plot line sort of typing it out of my notes notes, (laughs) there is a there's a part where I think it's after the sailing trip or during the sailing trip, Kenneth Branagh, the bad Russian, gets John David Washington to agree to steal this plutonium Mm -hmm. for him so that Elizabeth Debicki can be free. Because (laughs) Kenneth Branagh, who's like this evil, rich arms dealer, has told Elizabeth Debicki that if if she leaves him, then she can never see her son again. So she basically is stuck in this horrible marriage because she wants to see her child Mm -hmm. and so john david washington makes this agreement with kenneth branagh that if he steals this plutonium that he will set elizabeth the bicky free but (sighs) it's like why would john david washington agree to do that like he just met elizabeth the bicky they're not that good of friends (laughs) the one part of the movie that i felt like 
had some emotional weight to it. And I wish they would have played on it a lot more. And I think it would have been a much better movie is the relationship between John David Washington and Robert Pattinson. Because spoiler alert, you get to the end of the movie and you realize that like Robert Pattinson has like sacrificed himself in order to save the planet. But he has to like go back in time one more time in order to do it. And so it's at the end of the mission and and John David Washington is sort of like un, kind of understands that Robert Pattinson has to go back in time and die and is saying goodbye to him. And Robert Pattinson says like, oh, this is the like end of my relationship with you, but it's the beginning of, of your relationship with me because you're going to go back in time and you're going to be the one who trains me. And I've known you all along, even though you haven't known me. And I was like, that is such an interesting like element of that one person is sort of like at the end of the friendship and the other person is at the beginning of the friendship. Mm-hmm. And like Robert Pattinson knows John David Washington so well and cares for him so much, but John David Washington doesn't know Robert Pattinson. And I was like, that is such like a beautiful image and something mm-hmm. that I feel like they could have used in so many different ways and really made that so emotional at the end when you realize that Robert Pattinson has to die. Cause mm-hmm. I felt emotional in the, theater and there was and it was based on nothing before that movie it was like only that scene and i thought if they had somehow like been able to work this in and really made this a movie about their friendship as the key image within this puzzle box i think it would have worked so much better Mm -hmm. but they never really did and even the uh sort of the like chemistry between the two of them leading up to that moment, leading up to the end of the film really wasn't there. Like there wasn't a lot of fun, like bantery scenes (laughs) because again, every scene in the movie is just like (laughs) dialoguing exposition back at each fourth. No, I agree. I really liked them together. I thought there was an inkling of something fun that could have been there. Like the same sort of, yeah, just chemistry and energy together. And I honestly think like, I don't I don't wish that it would come to this, but the movie again just needed to be more small scale and I think you could have arguably taken Elizabeth Debicki's character out of it completely and somehow arranged it to just be about these two dudes trying to do something and then ending up realizing, you know, there's a lot more going on. I just I that's what's frustrating is that I liked a lot of the idea. Like I think the um, entropy was really allowed for some interesting visuals and arguments about time and like whatever, but it just became too much and it became spread too thin that I was sort of like, well, what about this? And what about this? And this plot hole doesn't make sense. And how is this going to work? And why did they think of this? Whereas if it had been smaller scale and it had just been these, you know, sort of, I guess, intimate fight scenes you got where he's, fighting someone and then you find out it's he's fighting himself like those were the cooler parts of the movie than like oh wait Kenneth Branagh wants to blow up the world but he doesn't know and then it's like there's the futures talking to the past and somehow he knows it and then this woman is like selling this to him because she wants I don't know I was just like what is happening and then at the end it's like they're not they're gonna set off this bomb but then it's like well if it had well, gone off already in a different timeline so, than wouldn't it have been? <laughs> My brain well, just melted by the end, Matt. No, I feel you. I 100% was with you. I sort of, uh, 
so the whole plot line is moving forward in time until they get to this like car crash scene and then it moves backwards through the car crash back to the plane crash towards at the beginning of the movie and so through the plane crash i was sort of like okay i get this and then we moved into this whole plot line in this Russian, like, abandoned city and uh, Elizabeth the Biggie's on the boat. And at that point, I was like, nope, I, I don't know what's going on. Like, have no clue. Going back and reading all of these articles, I do think that the all of the time travel stuff does make sense. And I feel mm. like it would be boring to just go through all of that on a podcast. Yeah. But it was boring to try and watch it, too. That's right. my thing is it's like, sure, yes. maybe you could write a novel about why this works, but it didn't work if it didn't capture your yeah. audience. You I know? think, yes, I think it does not work on a first viewing at all. <laughs> I think if I went back and watched this again, sort of like having read all of this stuff and understanding some of it, and also if I'm like very keyed into even the slightest hint of this relationship <laughs> between John David and uh, Robert Pattinson, who I wrote as Edward in my notes here, um, I think that I will, I think that this movie it's growing on me. Mm-hmm. I like it more the more I sit and puzzle over mm-hmm. it. But I don't like... But it's a different way of liking something than thinking that it's like good on the first run. You right. know what I mean? It's more of like an acquired... <laughs> that sounds douchey. But, you know, it's like... um, It's like there's there's certain things that you can like eat or drink right away and like everybody immediately likes them and then there's other (laughs) weird yes and then and then there's like and then there's like coffee which no one likes when you first drink it but like the more you sort of like force yourself to you eventually are like oh no i actually do like this and that's how i feel about tenet like the more i think about it the more i'm like Actually, I really did like this because then once you I think if I watch it a second time and I'm not having to sort of like attempt to puzzle through everything because I read all of this supplemental stuff, (laughs) then I would like the movie better, but not Mm -hmm. as it's a good movie, but just as like, I I don't know, like that I like the sort of like background of it's like when people are like, well, I like that Marvel movie was okay, but really I like the character because I read the comic books and I read the this and I read the other thing and it's like they appreciate it more. Right. No, exactly. So I'm judging myself in this moment too. If any, if anyone says Tenet is a bad movie, 100% I agree with them. But then also if anyone's like, well, I watched Tenet and then I read a bunch of articles and now I sort of think that it's actually like really good, but in a weird way, I'm also there for that. That's the thing is like, do I think this is a terrible film in a lot of ways? Yes, but there's a lot of good going for it, which is one original concept. We don't get enough. And that was great Two, Christopher Nolan does manage to pull off some really beautiful and interesting and just amazing. I don't know. Schemes, shots like crazy set pieces. They shot on location in seven different countries, (laughs) which is wild for a movie. Nothing was sound stagey. And when in that scene where the airplane is like driving through the parking lot and is hitting cars and telephone poles, I was like, this is real. Like I can tell that this is actually, they got a friggin' plane and they're driving it around. This is not like CG. And I frigging love that because I hate 
all i mean just watching the black widow trailer before this started <laughs> i was like this all looks like cg garbage barf and then yeah. watching these beautiful sets and like an actual yacht and people running up an actual building i yeah. was just like this is great like yes please to this yeah so it's like I think my problem with it is that Christopher Nolan has maybe gotten too big for his britches and he just bit off more than he could chew and just thinks, oh, well, because I get it, it's good. And I just have an issue with that. But it is like, and it was probably an hour too long for my taste. Mm -hmm. But altogether, there were some still entertaining pieces to the puzzle. And I think that is you know worth noting so i'm not mad that this has like 72 percent on rotten tomatoes but i am glad that it's one of his least well-reviewed films you know i feel like that feels right to me i wonder if i i mean this to me feels like the next step in the inception and interstellar like trilogy of like sort of getting more (laughs) convoluted as you go along and maybe not in a good way but Dunkirk is in the middle there as like a much simpler movie that sort of uses all of the things that Christopher Nolan Mm -hmm. is good at with these like sets and sound and big budget and score and whatever, but is doing it in a way that is much like more straightforward. And I wonder if after Tenet, he won't go back and do something much more similar to. I don't know. I think he likes these sort of. I mean, I think he does too, but I wonder if he's like, maybe I went too far. <laughs> uh, can he be humbled? That's an interesting question. I don't know. I mean, yeah, it's it's sort of a weird movie to talk about because it's not like a hate it and it's not like it's not like even critics are like, this is garbage. So I don't think he'll be pushed to do anything different. I think it's just he can sit back and argue, well, people just didn't get it. But this is my question. And I really, I mean, you did the research, so maybe you'll understand. And I guess this is a spoiler. So um, if you don't want to hear the ending, then don't listen to this part. But Elizabeth Debicki, she, she goes, she's back at the boat. (laughs) And she she kills him and she dives off the boat. How are there's now two people living in her timeline, two versions of herself living in her timeline. But we know she's the one who picks up her son at the end because she has the phone to call the protagonist to protect her from anyone she thinks might be a harm to her. So what happened to the to the version of her that was also there at that time you know so so the okay let me think about it so the well one the way that the time travel works in this is the whatever happened happened thing yeah so it's like harry potter and the prisoner of azkaban uh where there's like two of them but so elizabeth the bicky well no okay so this is so this is so this is what it is it's that the version of her that jumps off the boat is the version of her that's picking up the kid the version of her that's on the boat will then go on to go into the will get shot after the car chase and then go into the time thing and then go backwards so past that car chase the version of her that is like on the rowboat or whatever doesn't exist okay I do you, think do you I get see that? What you're saying, I, yeah, but it just—I guess that's what confuses me. Is it's like, it's like, well, how can there be two of them at the same time? Like, doesn't one of them have to cease to exist at some point? Well, yes, one of them will. 
the yeah so the, but we don't see this well no we do see it or, well just, she doesn't die she doesn't die she just goes back into the into the okay, machine okay. and then that ends her forward moving arc right 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 sure yeah totally yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah it's yeah, like yeah. if you follow a string <laughs> from her it's like it's the like string goes forward right, in time right. to the car chase then goes backwards in time to the airport and then goes forward in time to jump off the side of the boat and then pick up her kid in school <laughs> okay okay but that's where i guess i'm confused because i thought the rule was you can't go forward in time per se so she just lived out the next six weeks or whatever it was to catch up to the, you know what i mean like i thought that was the point is that yes. there is no forward time yeah so there's so so the version of her that jumps off the boat Mm -hmm. is just chilling somewhere while the version of her that goes is coming back to the boat is busy like getting taken by kenneth branagh and driven (laughs) to that building and getting shot in the arm and whatever okay yeah cool 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 movie yeah i loved it yeah it's yeah (laughs) No, I had to read about 75 of those think explainer pieces in order to fully wrap my head around this. So this is my question, though. Mm-hmm. I think that people were, th- were had in their mind coming into this, this is the movie that's saving cinema. It's mm-hmm. reopening the theaters. Christopher Nolan is coming off of Dunkirk, which was a best picture frontrunner for a while, won a bunch of Oscars, was nominated for a bunch of Oscars. The Dark Knight obviously won some things. Um, Inception was nominated for best picture. Like, And this year, there's going to be less competition. Tenet, maybe this is the time that Christopher Nolan like wins some things. Do you feel like Tenet is the type of, is a movie that will get nominated for stuff or will win things at the Oscars this year? Such a weird year. I mean, I think in any other year, any normal year, this is not Oscar worthy except for technical awards. I really don't think anyone was showing off as far as, I mean, I guess he'd probably squeeze in a best director nomination, but I just don't think this was a strong enough film in any one way that it'll stand out um, compared to better movies. I, I just feel like there were too many holes or confusing moments or sort of lack in characterization to really justify that. But I honestly have no idea what to expect for this year's Oscars. So if we're on track to just get like, I don't even know, 10 more movies this year, then yeah, I guess this has a strong chance. So he's never won best director. No, I don't, uh, I don't think so. I don't think he won for Dunkirk. I can't remember what won that year, but I don't think that he has won best director. Yeah. I'm not Um, sure if he, I don't know. I think he's just more showboaty than, than depthy, you know? (laughs) I think he's I think if he wants best director, he's going to have to make something that is more like a Dunkirk, but maybe just slightly more interesting, you know? Yeah. I mean, I did like the music in this and it was cool that they did that all remote. So congrats to them and times of covid. I thought that was really beautiful. And I'm sure he'll slide in for technical stuff easily. Like cinematography feels like something, mm-hmm. like set design, some yeah. of those kind of categories. Yeah, yeah, I agree. So would you say now, later, or never for Tenet? <laughs> I mean, that's a personal journey, I guess. I I was very unmoved in the theater. I was, I guess, bored or at least frustrated. 
and I wished it had been over way faster. And I ultimately was like, was that worth it? I don't know. So it's hard to say because it's fun to see a movie again. It's nice to this is definitely one you'd want to watch in a theater, because if you're at home watching this, you're definitely going to glance at your phone at the wrong moment and you're going to be screwed. So I guess it's like a now if you feel like it. Yeah, I feel like since this movie is definitely going to be in theaters for the next yeah. two months, oh, yeah. at some point you can probably find a theater that's somewhere that really that there's nobody in and go see it. Yeah. And that I would say would be worth your while. But I think that everybody who is like a huge Christopher Nolan person has probably already seen this movie mm-hmm. unless they live in New York. But I think if you're ever planning on seeing this movie, you should try to see it in the next two months and not wait until it comes oh, out yeah. on dvd because that feels like it's a disaster (laughs) um okay lightning round what if you what food would you eat during an exposition scene a la michael caine in this movie (laughs) if they were like you have a monologue but we but like you want to be eating something while you're giving it Mm -hmm. i guess i would just want to you know uh do like a taco bell ad just have my bean burritos with me just pound through the taco bell mild sauce packets for sure I think I would do like uh, I'm I'm obsessed with this new brand of gummy bears that I've discovered that also has sour gummy bears and I love sour oh. gummy bears so I think probably those. Well, what's the brand you have to share? It's it's like some kind of like French. It's like Elba Elba Badesi or something. <laughs> Are they Let from me look. Target. Up. Um, they have they sell them all over the place. Oh. Let I me think look I might up know what you're talking about. Fancy gummy bears. <laughs> they're not the like Haribo ones. No, obviously. Uh, they're called Albanese. Yeah, I think Albanese. I think I, we just tried those. Yeah, they're pretty good. They have twelve. It's twelve flavors. There's like a grapefruit flavor, mm-hmm. and they and they come like in standard gummy bears. But then I discovered at an airport that they are also in like sour variety, which <laughs> is to die for. So. Um, That's what I'd be eating. So my question was, do you think you could take yourself on in a fight? If I had to fight myself. I <laughs> yeah. mean, I feel like that because the self that I'd be fighting would also be bad. So I would think <laughs> that I'd be able to handle it. Like, I don't think either of us would be very good. It'd probably yeah. be like a, a a slow, sad saga. One time I was in Penn. This is a terrible New York story. <laughs> One night I was in Penn Station after like some improv thing or whatever Mm -hmm. and it was like i don't know one in the morning two in the morning and i was really hungry so me and my friend went to get pizza at this place that's in penn station which is just like you know it's a bad night when you're eating pizza in penn station and it was with all these like bridge and tunnel people and there were these two drunk guys who i think came from like a new york rangers game since uh they play in madison square garden Mm -hmm. and they were both completely wasted and and they weren't together. They were ser- separate, but they were sitting at different tables. And they started yelling at each other. One of them sort of like poured what was left of his like beer can on the one guy's head. And because they were just so both so inebriated, they had the like world's slowest, saddest fight there on the floor <laughs> at Penn Station where they were kind of like grappling with each other and like sort of like weakly punching. But like neither of them could really do anything because they were just both so drunk until the cops came and were like, OK, guys, you need to hang it up. And that's what a fight between me and myself would look like. Just like a pitiful display of nobody's doing a good job. Like it just takes forever to get done. (laughs) 
You know, that'd be pretty funny. I think you should take some time and film a version of that and do it for the TikTok. Well, I'm quarantining by myself. Well, maybe I'll get my uncle to help me. <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure that you would think that we would be the same person if one of us dressed up in a full, like, bodysuit. But, you know, we'll yeah. see. <laughs> Could you beat yourself in a fight? Oh, um... I mean, that's what I was just, I mean, I get those like, oh, everything that's happened has happened. But I feel like there'd be one of us that would slip up and I'd be able to accidentally kill myself. You know, that'd be my concern in fighting myself is that I would Well, that's the grandfather (laughs) paradox that they mention in the movie, but then really never address. Yeah. Uh, If, If you could pick a famous actor to be your parent, like Denzel Washington is John David Washington's parent. Who would you want to be the child of? Mm. So we're looking for somebody like the around the age of your actual parents. Oh, man. Okay, let's think. Old people. Um, <laughs> I don't know people's ages after like 40 or between 80. Like how old is Meryl Streep? I don't know. I thought you were just going to immediately say Laura Dern. <laughs> I would love Laura Dern, but that's my problem. How old is she? I don't know. I think Laura Dern is old enough count? to be your mom. Okay. You know is she what? 20 years I... older than you? Is she 50? Yes. She's definitely at least yeah, 50. Yeah, you're right. So, I think, yeah. um, you know what? She would be fun. Or Tony Collette. But I think Tony Collette might be too young. But I don't know. Maybe she had me when she was a teenager. And she really managed to pull through and become a great actress. And now now I get to step into her shoes as well. Uh, Tony Collette was my answer. No way. Cute. I... We're simple. I was like, uh, Tony Collette, but then I was also thinking like R.I.P. Uh, Robin Williams. Oh, yeah, that's sad, but that's a good, <laughs> good. Answer. How great would be growing up with Tony Collette and Robin Williams as your parents? Yeah, oh, magical. I'd be so funny and so talented. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And and Tony Collette could say, "I am your mother" to both of us. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's what I'd be paying for, for sure. That'd be amazing. Mm-hmm. I'd love that. Um, if you had a, uh, I mean, this isn't exactly what happens in the movie, but if you had a token that your evil husband slash wife slash spouse held over you as a threat, what would it be? Like, what what important thing would, would matter most to you? Like, instead of a child, because we <laughs> yeah. I don't have one? Yeah. Um... Oh, gosh. Like, I don't know if there is something. (laughs) I mean, I guess, like, maybe they would kill, what, like, one of my siblings or my parents or something. I guess the bigger question is, do you think you'd just suffer through that relationship to have his high life? (laughs) To have the money? Yes. Yes. That I think I would be capable of. You wouldn't need to be blackmailed into staying. You'd just be like, I mean, I think that I would definitely have met with several divorce lawyers and been like, is it possible that... (laughs) I could get some of this. And if they were like, nah, your prenup is rock solid, then I'd be like, crap. Well, I guess I'm going to have to put up with it. Yeah. But if I could get out, maybe I would, I would do the uh, Mrs. Bezos thing and divorce and take half Mm -hmm. of Amazon. Yeah. I don't think that's how he flies, but I was going to say that I think he could get me to stay with just threatening to keep Lupe from me forever. So I would just suffer through anything for that. That's another reason not to have a dog. Another reason not to have a dog. Lupe would eat you if she got hungry enough. And yet you would stay in a loveless relationship with old Kenneth Branagh. So how is that better? How is that more noble? I mean, I would take money over a dog any day of the week. (laughs) 
Also, they really did Kenneth Branagh dirty by sticking him in the that like those like bodysuit shirts, like you know those like biker shirts or whatever, Mm -hmm. where you could just see how like flabby he was. (laughs) Which I think went to the it went a long way with the character. But Mm -hmm. I was also like, if I was Kenneth Branagh. I'd be like, you better be paying me good money to <laughs> stick me in this terrible looking thing on yeah. big screen with millions of people watching. I also was just confused how she let it get this far with this evil arms dealer who had absolutely no redeemable characteristics. And she who, wanted the money. And who admitted he was pretty bad since like being a teenager in Russia or whatever. So it's like, how did they meet? And like, why did she stay? Like, what and was she happening? was a lot younger than yeah. him. <laughs> And also not some Russian. Life choices there that didn't make sense. I'm just like, honey, you maybe got yourself into this mess a little bit. Like, I mean, I don't want to judge, but I'm curious to know, yeah, what circumstances you met under and how you didn't pick up on that this guy was pretty evil, you know, since he's he's pretty one note character. <laughs> okay, this podcast has gotten truly deranged. Um, next week we're doing Mulan. We'll be back with talking about Mulan, which is out for $900 on Disney Plus. We'll have to figure out how to watch it. Um, yeah, so we'll be talking about that. Thank you for listening. Please follow us on social media. We're at PS You're Wrong. Uh, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We will see you next week. Bye.